0: downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. It's great to be with you today and uh, to be here, I count it a kind of privilege to be here. And Elaine's uh, just read a very sort of a poignant psalm to you and uh, the subject I hope we're not going to disappoint you in the subject, but it's a subject uh, that uh, we all feel kind of dramatic about it. I don't want us to have a, a pity party over it, Could we could, couldn't we? Each one of us, we, I'm sure if I asked you all up here, you would say, well, yes, there's uh, this problem and that problem, and you know this person, and that person has given me great difficulties. Well, i maybe tell you a bit of an instance of one in myself and how I cope with it, um, and perhaps, at the end of the day, I'll not solve your situation regarding your disappointment. but perhaps give you a few pointers from someone who is 23. So, you want, I know, full of experience. <laughs> so, let's just pray before we do that. Uh, Lord, we give you thanks for your word to our hearts. We give you thanks that we're able to break bread and drink wine together. We thank you for your word, Lord, we pray as we look at your word today that you will heal our hearts, that you give us real focus for the future. You bless us, Lord, that we might walk in your ways and accept your will for our lives. Bless us as we do so, for we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, it's good to be with you, and uh, Jack gave me this subject, uh, Disappointment with People, and I said to him that, you know, I could be at it for quite a while, and I spoke to Tom here, and he said, yes, we could have a 28-week series, that's what you said, but I don't think you're going to have. (laughs) Uh, The tale is told of a church minister, of which I used to be one, I think I still am, but there we are. He wrote his parish letter. One lady did say to me, you, you now you're retired, you're no longer a minister. I so said, I'm sorry. And last week I, I spoke to a minister and he said, ordination is for life. Ah, so is Christianity for life. So there we are. But this man wrote his parish letter and he sought to encourage his congregation, as you do from time to time. And so he wrote it and he put it in the church magazine. And the Sunday morning to his horror, he noticed he left out a little word. Now, normally he started his letter by putting down, Dear friends, and he missed one letter, which nearly got him into a lot of trouble, and it was the letter R. You got it? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I remember saying when I was uh, retiring and speaking to a number of people that I knew quite well, but they were part of a congregation that I was leading, and I said to them that when I'm retired, I'm going to write a book. I said to them, I'm going to write a book. And I'm going to name names, as I rather tongue-in-cheek, and to my astonishment, they all started to look very worried. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you know what I'm getting at um, in these cases. Um, so the title could really read, if you wanted, of a pity party, and um, I don't want to do that this morning. It could be My Disappointment with People, or uh, Your Disappointment with People. And uh, I'm just, I came to conclusion after a while, looking at this for a couple of weeks, really, and um, it took me a while to get it together and to look at it, and then I was able to sit down and pen a few notes. I came to the idea, rightly or wrongly, that we all go through disappointment at times. It wouldn't surprise me if there's quite a few people who are disappointed in something today, life, wife, work, whatever. And uh, it's full of ups and downs in life, isn't it? It isn't just one way. I found out in my business life and in my ministerial life. Strangely enough, the word disappointment is not in the NIV concordance. I thought everything was there. But in the concordance, uh, we find other things, and the subject matter is there, so you can look for yourself later on. But the word disappointment means to fail. It means to let down. It means to dissatisfy. It means to disillusion. It means to disenchant. It means to delude. It means to deceive. It means to vex, and it means to sadden. If you haven't got your tissues out by now, you may have, because it gets better as we go along. It implies frustration, and it implies distress, both on the person who is disappointed and the one they're disappointed in. So you can see, it's a powerful emotive word, isn't it? all sets of people can disappoint us. If you've worked, I'm sure many of you work, you can be disappointed in your workplace, in your manager, in many other people. And I can think of a lot of people as, as I was going through this that I was disappointed with. I thought they would do a lot better. You can be disappointed in your relatives and in your in-laws. Uh, you can be disappointed in some politicians. And you can even be disappointed in close friends. Am I right in saying that? Psalm 41, which Elaine read to us, and did you realize that the reading was the most important part of what I'm doing today? So go home and read it yourself. That's the most important part. I was uh, 14 years in the Gideons International with Elaine before I became a minister. They chucked me out when I became a minister. Jack at one time was in the Gideons as well, and the Word of God is most important, so make sure you read it and look and check what I'm actually saying. But in the psalm, it says, all my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying a vile disease has beset him. He will never get up from the place where he lies. And then he says, even my close friend whom I trusted, he who sheared my bread has lifted his heel against me. Do You remember when Saddam Hussein's statue was knocked down to get their shoes off? And hit him with their heels, lifted his heel against me. But God has, for sake of illustration, I'm going to be a bit personal. I'm not naming any names or anything else, um, so you're all safe. Um, <laughs> as a God's way of changing circumstance. Whatever circumstance you're in today, God could change it tomorrow, just like that. No problem at all. Elaine and I suffered much because of a close friend. Uh, three years ago... Strangely enough, we kept bumping into this person and his wife, who we would rather have avoided, to be quite honest with you, but every time we turned the corner, there they were. (laughs) That is true. There they are. We'll go this way. (laughs) You've done that, haven't you? But eventually, we walked by a cafe, and we're sitting down at the cafe, and they said, would you like to join us for a coffee? So we sat down, and we didn't bring any subjects up or disappointments up with anyone. And it led to him insisting that we join him for dinner. This went on for three years. So we went for dinner. And at one of the dinners, he said, to this, said to this to me, especially because I was his pastor. He said, you and I suffered a lot, and he mentioned the people concerned, not realizing that he was part of that group, and he also had turned his heel against me. I felt like singing, uh, me under my breath, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, it saved a wretch like me, because uh, I asked God to give me grace. I didn't say anything. I never said anything. I just smiled and nodded like you do, don't you? Probably because he was a young Christian. He wasn't young. He was um, a bit younger than me. 22. (laughs) For three years we met. Every time we went out, you can guess where it was, in holiday, he would come towards me. We must go out for coffee. We must go out for coffee. And there was something in him, and I kept waiting for him to say something to us that might relieve him of the burden he had. We had long ago forgiven the person concerned. And just last year, I think it was last year, he said, come out for dinner, and we went out for dinner. His wife wasn't so keen. But he was desperately keen. And at that dinner, it was lunch, in fact, he uh, told me that he had cancer. And it was quite evident he had cancer. He had blown up. You could see that he was on steroids. And um, Elaine and I sought to support them as, 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 and just forgot the circumstances. <clears throat> never heard anything. Never said anything. That sometimes happens. And then eventually he was put in the hospital, I think it was just last year, wasn't it? January of this year, yes. So it's not quite new. And his wife texted us back home and told us that he was in the cancer hospital. And Elaine wrote and reminded of him that when he became a Christian, he used to sing, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean." He wrote back, texted back two days later, just before he passed away. And he said to to us that he was still rejoicing. And remembered the time that I had baptized him in the Atlantic Ocean along with his wife. And he thanked the Lord for placing us in his path. And he passed away. He was an ex-alcoholic. Saved by the marvelous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as God shows people grace, I would suggest to you we've got to show grace as well. Sometimes difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Um, There's a bit in the Bible where it talks about a certain man. Paul said, I suffered much because of that man. And because of that man, I suffered much. But it was interesting to see how God... After we got to a situation where we... And you've got to get to that situation in our mind to forgive the people and to go forward, and uh, it changed. So I believe, I'm speaking on behalf of experience, and that's not just the only circumstance in life. I'm sure you can give me many. I believe we're called to have a forgiving spirit. I believe that. I think unless we forgive (laughs) ourselves... We're never going to actually get healed ourselves. When you're hurt, you've got to forgive the person. Name them before the Lord and pray it about. It might be tough. Um, It helps if you can see the person through God's eyes. I want you to think about that this morning. Not through your own eyes. You will see it through your own lenses and your eyes. And your eyes are connected to your brains. So what your brain thinks is all connected. So try and see it with God's mind, God's eyes. I remind you of this. The Lord's Prayer says, Forgive us our debts as we also, past ends, have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So, we're quite sure this morning, each one of us, and I saw you all nodding when I said if you'd ever been disappointed, and you all nodded, so I'll not ask you for a show of hands. I could do that this morning quite easily, probably put two hands up, I think, or three if you had them. Uh, (laughs) And it may well be you're holding a heart this morning as you're sitting in this congregation. I don't know many of you that particularly well, Um, and it's not an easy road, but I want to give you a few pointers from my experience and if you aren't going through disappointment, can I say to you, the Bible says that everyone who is godly in Christ will be persecuted. Disappointed, if you like. Everyone. So if you're godly and you're in Christ, you will be persecuted. I never saw that until I came through this circumstance. I can't give you the verse in the chapter, but it's there. You look for it yourself. A few pointers. In your disappointment... Be prepared with godly grace to forgive. Notice the words, godly grace to forgive. Jesus, hanging on the cross, said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We're included in that. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Be aware of this. All of us here this morning, Christian or non-Christian, need to stand at the cross I need to have been given Christ's forgiveness that you might forgive someone else. You got that? So if you don't have Christ's forgiveness, you're going to find it very, very difficult to show other people forgiveness. So go and stand before the cross and say, God, forgive me of my sins and allow me then in this circumstances to move forward. B, ask God to help you to see that person as a sinner for whom Christ died. The Bible says the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not saying it's easy. The example I gave you, the one example I gave you, I chose it because I think probably all of us go through that from time to time. The one example I gave you, took eight years to work itself out. Let me say it's maybe nine years, maybe even ten years. So it could take a long time. But start walking in that forgiveness road, and it might help you. So be prepared, number one, to forgive and show godly grace. Then be patient, like God is with us. You see, I'm not patient. I had a father who was very, very, very patient. I learned a lot from him. But be patient and await God's timing. It may take years. It may take months. It may take days. Maybe even tomorrow you'll be able to sort the situation out. Be positive. You say, well, that's because you're an ex-regional sales manager. Well, it's not. It's because I'm a Christian. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm going to say to you, be positive. Have faith in God that God will restore the years, the locusts of Eden. He promises to do that for us as the people of God. Be positive. Hold the P's if you like. Be a peacemaker. Take the first step in the circumstances. Be open to forgive and take that first step. And to remember this, that we are, on, we are resurrection people. We are resurrection people. I think it was someone mentioned it this morning. I think It could have been Mark. I'm not sure. We are not mourners at a funeral. You know, it's often you look down at people's faces when you're a pastor in a church. They're all sitting there with long faces. You're not this morning. <laughs> but they are, some people. And we sometimes sing the song, because he lives, all fear is gone. Resurrection people we are this morning. But this disappointment situation, I'm going to use the analogy of a station, you know, and it's like a train, isn't it? I once was in a train all night going from Carlisle with my managing director. He was in the top bunk. I was in the bottom bunk. I never slept a wink. He stored all night. And I know this train went up and down, shunted here, shunted there, shunted there. And the train journey we should have, should have taken maybe about three hours it took us from about 10 o'clock at night to about 7 o'clock in the morning to get into Euston Station. And I'm going to say to you that Disappointment Station is a halt <laughs> that we all go through. I'm going to suggest to you this this morning. If you use the analogy of the station, don't stay in disappointment station. Don't stay there. Say, I'm not going to stay here. I've got to move on. Get moving on. And in the circumstances, until God in his way and his will sorts the situation out, get on and move and serve the Lord. Find something else you can do which is positive and leave the rest to God. So Disappointment station if you're there today, should only be a temporary halt. You may stop there, and you will, but don't stay there. If you stay there, if you stay there, it will drain you of all your spiritual and all your mental and all of your physical strength. You and I are called this morning to greater things than that. Like Paul in Philippians he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. He also says, "But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. I press on, forgetting what is behind. So I ask the Lord to make you an overcomer. The opposite of being an overcomer is an underachiever as far as God's concerned. So you are you an overcomer or are you an underachiever this morning? You say, well, I'll leave it to somebody else who can do it. They're better than me. And I don't need to do anything, and I don't need to solve the situation. And I'm going to say this to you, that God only allows disappointments for one reason, that he may reappoint you, that he may appoint you. He says, I have appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. God doesn't want you to be disappointed. He wants to, you to accept his appointment. So take the time that you have to wait upon the Lord. The Lord has promised, if you wait upon the Lord, He will renew your strength. And God has plenty for you to do yet. I spoke to my father before he passed away, and I said I had loads of notes. This isn't one of them, by the way, this is hot off the press this morning? <laughs> I said to him, I had loads of. Boxes of salmons and tapes from my ministry. He said, Well, you better hang on to them, you'll need them to you're six, he said to me. <laughs> Made me think. <laughs> so don't let like disappointment this morning set your agenda for your life. Say that to you. Or you'll end up being like Fraser. You ever watch Dad, Dad's anybody watch Dad's Army here? Is it just the older ones? No. And the younger ones watch Dad's Army, you're yeah, not like Dad's Army. Do you know this uh, typical Scot that's there? He's a bit uh, funereal-like, isn't he? Whenever trouble strikes him, he puts on his undertaker's face, and he says, we're doomed. We're doomed. We're all doomed, he says. That's not what God's got for you this morning. You're not doomed at all. I know a young lady who has spent her life in disappointment because of a circumstance to do with her marriage. I'm not looking at Elaine, by the way. I'm thinking about a friend of mine. And she'll not go anywhere. And she'll not change her car. She's was frightened to go out the door and in the door. I really feel sorry for her. We this morning, changing the subject slightly, have just celebrated the Lord's Supper. Uh, I think it was right that we were called to realize the privilege that we have in doing so. I hope you do. I would suggest you value it in your life to follow the Lord's command. Do this. Notice the words, until I come. When the Lord comes, you'll no longer be taking the bread and the wine. We've heard his voice this morning in the reading, which said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which was shed for you, each one of you. And if anyone had the right to be disappointed, it was the Lord I'm sure you realised that this morning. I put one or two of the things down that happened to him. Came to mind what Isaiah said. He said he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They disowned him. They betrayed him. That Psalm that Lane read was a messianic Psalm, I think, talking about Judas. You see, my close friend has lifted up his heel against me. Betrayal. He betrayed his master with a kiss and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. If I was being challenging this morning, I could say, what would you sell the Lord for? What have you sold the Lord for? What does it cost you in your Christian life? Is something more important in the Lord in your life. They deserted him. In the garden when he was praying, prayers not praying's not very popular, is it today? <laughs> but when he was praying, they all fell asleep. I've been in prayer meetings where the exact same thing has happened. Maybe the older folk had an excuse, but here we are. They all fell asleep. But when they awakened after the challenge. To the Lord, they all forsook him and fled; they deserted him. And then another day, they denied him. Peter at the gate, speaking to young Gil, When he worked up his courage and he followed with John, and he stood there watching his master be ill-treated, and when questioned by a servant Gil, he denied he even knew him, and he does what men did, what men does do even today, whether asked for a Christian. If they're Christian, perhaps they swear and they curse and say, no, I'm not a Christian. I just go to church. I go to the Freedom Center. But me, no, I'm not one of them. And then finally death on the cross. They denied him. They crucified him. They gave him an illegal trial. They whipped him. And they scourged him. And finally they nailed him to a cross and hung him naked. All to see his shame. And yet, in all this wrongdoing, he forgave them. How did he manage to do that? Wonderfully, wonderful grace. Father, he said to his father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They know not what they do. Peter, the same person who denied him. When he was filled with the Spirit of God, he said to them in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, he said, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to God by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him. As you yourself know, this man, I want you to note this verse, this man, underline it in your Bible, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep a hold of him. By God's set purpose and foreknowledge. By God's set purpose and foreknowledge. I was telling Sophie today that we're born at a certain time and we pass away at a certain time. And sometimes God says to us, it's time to seek the Lord and to accept him into our own heart and life. It's almost as if we're getting pushed towards by Peter that God's will will be done in every circumstance and in every life. And sometimes we've got to leave him. Note the following, they denied him, he redeemed them. They forsook him, he forgave them. They left him weak on a cross, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and rose triumphantly. They left him weak, and he empowers the church, and he empowered them, i.e. Peter, here, by the Holy Spirit of God. And we are told in Ephesians six, that we have to put on the whole armour of God, as we were told. But remember that we are in a spiritual battle. We come here on a Sunday and we rejoice, and it's good to do that. Monday's a different day, and you might face disappointment and difficulties and trials. Remember, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen, that we're always on the victory side. But always, God always leads us in triumph. That's what it says, and that means all the time. It means in good times. It means in bad times. It means through sadness, and joy, through weakness and strength, through success and through failure, through disappointment into reappointments. Funny, isn't it, when you're in a job and you're disappointed, and all of a sudden you turn the corner. And you're offered two jobs. I remember doing that. I went to Leeds one day for a job. I drove from there to Manchester. flew to London. Came back to the world where Jim was. The next day I was offered both jobs. Before that, I wondered what was going to happen. Then I had a tangle to work out which one I should take. But anyway, that's another story. But in this victory parade, I thought it's almost as if the Roman generals marching into Rome with all the people he's captives. We are the captive of the Lord Jesus Christ, but as he leads that parade, he turns and he points to us and says, look at him, look at her. I saved that person. I redeemed them. I died on the cross for them. Quite amazing, isn't it? So the one person who will never disappoint you this morning, and I don't want to leave you on a down, I want to leave you in an up, is the Lord. And I'm going to suggest to you this morning that you keep close to this friend. I used to go to the the mental hospital, don't know what They call it nowadays. And the hymn that everybody chose every Sunday was "What a Friend We Have in Jesus." Isn't that interesting? So include him in all you do, all your plans, all your family plans, all your going into holidays, all your changing of jobs, all your degrees. And when you come to a difficult time, when you're hurt, and when you're lonely, ask him to fold you in his arms. He promises to do that. I suggest also that you be careful who you entrust with close friendship. The Bible tells us to do that. I also suggest that you endeavor to be like the Lord by his Holy Spirit in everything you say and do. I suggest you read the Word of God regularly. If I said to you this morning, did you read before you come to church? Do you read before you go to work? Do you read before you go to bed? I'll leave it up to you to answer that, not me. Read the Word of God that your soul might be fed. Maybe the Psalms or the New Testament or Book of John. I'm going to say also to you this morning as I come near the end, God is not finished with you yet. You know how I know that? You're still here. If God was finished with you, you'd be in glory along with other people. And the refining process is taking part in your life, and he's doing that day by day, hour by hour. He's changing you. Jesus, you're changing me. As somebody wrote a while ago, you're making me like you. Part of that is the disappointment road. Andrew Crouch wrote a hymn, and this is what, I'm going to read the hymn to you, part of the hymn, and after that, I'm nearly finished. He wrote this hymn, which was called Through It All, and he says, I've had many tears and sorrows, I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials only come to make me strong. I've been to lots of places. I've seen lots of faces. There have been times I felt so alone. But in my lonely hours, Jesus lets me know that I am his own. That's the truth this morning. He said, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon God's word. So may God bless you today. I just want to pray with you before I leave and let the fellows come back and uh, let me to pray words that you might want to use yourself. So let's all pray. Take your problem and difficulty that you have, that God might bless you to walk with him. Lord Jesus, hear my prayer. When I'm weak, when I'm hurt, when I'm bereft, be near me when I suffer disappointment. Heal me of all hurt. Help me to forgive as you forgave me all my sins. If I am stuck in disappointment station, Take me on to your higher purposes for my life. Teach me that your love will never fail me and lead me in your way to be like you in all I do and all I say and give me your amazing grace and help me walk as you walked. Fill me with your divine spirit. Amen.